I began to put my eyes upon the young lady who is now my wife. Uh, she sat in the sixth grade. She sat a few desks ahead of me on the right-hand side. And while I was supposed to be listening to the teacher, I was just looking at Joyce and uh, having that uh, puppy love. And we did have what's called puppy love, but both puppies really liked it. Well, today, friend, here on Bot Radio Network, I have the privilege of welcoming a dear friend, Mrs. Joyce Rogers. We have known each other since I was about 16 years old, not quite 17 years old. I became friends with her son, David, and daughter, Janice, in the youth group at Bellevue Baptist Church, downtown Memphis, Tennessee, when I was a fairly new believer in Christ. David would have me over at his house, and he would come to my house, and we had so much fun together. Mrs. Joyce Rogers, God bless you. Thank you so much for coming and being here on Bot Radio Network. What an honor this is. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember you being in, in our home when David was younger, and what a joy that was. Can so, you believe I was like 16, 17 years old when we first met? I'm 61 now. I'm not going to tell how old you are, <laughs> unless you're at liberty and want to do that. What am I, 90? You just turned 90 recently. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> One of the things I remember about being in your home, too, you had a dog named Tani. Right. And Tani was an incredible Weimaraner. That dog was so trained, and your husband had a way of communicating that dog. I never met a dog who could add and subtract, <laughs> you know? And uh, your husband had that dog trained so well. Tani was a big part of your family. He was. Yeah, yeah, Adrian liked to show him off. <laughs> <laughs> You've had a puppy, right? I have a puppy. You have a puppy now? now? Uh -huh. Yeah. What's your puppy's name? Barkley. How did you come up with the name Barkley? Well, I had said to my grandkids and all that they could name the dog, so they named him Barkley. You were born as Joyce Louise Gentry. Right. That was your maiden name. 1950, graduating class of Royal Palm Beach High School. Were you a cheerleader back in those days? I was. You were? Do you remember any of the cheers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also graduated from Stetson University with a degree in religion studies, I believe. I didn't graduate. Oh, you didn't graduate. I, but I, I went. Now, I think you kind of met this guy and decided to get married <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> to start a family. Let's set a foundation here, Mrs. Rogers, as we can, about some of your fondest memories growing up in the Gentry home. My daddy was a, he was a wonderful man. He was he was a very quiet man. I loved growing up in, in the Gentry family. My daddy um, owned a paint and glass business, and he was successful in that. Sibling-wise, you I know you have a sister. Is there more than a sister? I have a sister and two brothers. They're all in heaven. What was your mother's personality like, and how did she influence you the most? She was a very humble, godly woman and did, I'm sure, influence me in many ways. Many that I probably don't even realize. Can you recall any of the favorite foods your mom cooked around the home? Did you have any favorites or did she like to bake a lot or cook? That's been a long time ago, Barb. That's just been a few years ago, right? <laughs> well, maybe everything she cooked was so good, just always so good. What were the circumstances, Mrs. Rogers, leading up to your understanding of the gospel and surrendering your life to Jesus Christ? Well... I grew up, my parents belonged to the Christian church, and I really was saved in the Christian church when I was nine. And then my, my folks got lax about going to church on Sunday night and Wednesday night. We moved just a couple blocks away from where Adrian lived, 
They didn't realize that. <laughs> but I started going when, when I didn't go with them and they didn't go. I started going with him and sitting with him. Were there ever times in your walk with Christ that you doubted or had doubts about your salvation? And if so, how did you settle that issue? I didn't. You didn't. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. Tell me about the very first time that you met Adrian Rogers. The very first time, let me see, I get maybe it was in the fourth grade. Okay. And he would come to school barefooted and I would try to step on his toes. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever get him? Yeah, I probably did. Yeah. <laughs> Something about uh, stepping on his toes that got you connected there in fourth grade. I love that. But I understand it was in the sixth grade when Adrian dropped a note on your desk. Are you at liberty to discuss with us what was inside that note? <laughs> I don't know that I am. <laughs> no, no, hey, we'll leave it at that. When did the relationship, can we say love? that start to develop for him? When did you start realizing that he's somebody special and I want to be with? Let me see when that was. In the sixth grade. <laughs> At that time, really? I've got love notes he dropped by my desk in the sixth grade. I still have them. You still have those notes. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't just one note. These were multiple notes. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> I dropped a love note by Joyce's desk in the sixth grade. She still has that note. I will not tell you what the note said, but if you come to me personally, I'll tell you what it said uh, later. Don't do it today. But uh, Joyce and I became grade school sweethearts, and I used to walk Joyce home from church or other places, tell her good night there on the doorstep and then leave walking the two blocks to my house and praying, even as a boy, oh God, let me marry that girl. And he did. The only girl I've ever dated. Now, grade-wise, did you have better grades in school than he did? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Not that I was smarter than he was. When we got a little older, he would come over to the house and study for tests and so forth. When did you know that you wanted to become a pastor's wife? And there's really a, a calling to be a pastor's wife, wouldn't you say? And why is it important for a young lady or woman to know for sure that she's called to that before she moves into marriage? We went to the Ridgecrest Baptist Assembly in Ridgecrest, North Carolina with our church. And he stepped out to make it public that he felt God was calling him to preach the gospel. And I mean, in my heart, I knew that I wanted one day to be his wife, but I was too young to make that kind of a declaration. <laughs> yes. But when it came to ministry, you personally, not based on his calling, but God was calling you to be in a ministry role. And as a pastor's wife, was that where that solidified at that conference? God spoke to you there? Probably so. I know Adrian loved laughter, always associated with good humor, good, clean humor used it in his sermons many times. What were some of the things that you often laughed about together, just the two of you? He had a makeup story about a couple called Wanda and Wilbur Woosty. <laughs> <laughs> now, who are these people? He just made them up? Yeah, yeah they were his makeup. Oh, my. He, lo he loved to tell me jokes. I guess it was a good balance to his more serious life. Yes. That he loved to tell me funny stories. We all enjoyed hearing those funny stories, too, you know. <laughs> I know God has given you and Adrian five children, Steve, Gail, David, Janice, and Philip, who passed at infancy. What have you appreciated most about your relationship with your children as they've grown and, and have their own families? Well, they all love the Lord and are serving the Lord, and I'm so grateful for that. 
David was a missionary for 18 years in Spain. And then he came home and lived in Memphis for some years. And then he moved off to Nashville. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's where he lives now. And he's in ministry now. And I've actually right. visited him in his ministry in Nashville, had lunch with him. Wonderful to see how God is using him with his giftings in the ministry he's doing there in Nashville. What do you recall, Mrs. Rogers, on that day surrounding your son Philip's passing? Weren't you living in a trailer at that time as a young married no. couple? That wasn't that time? No, no. Uh, we, we were in our first church. I know at one time you lived in a trailer. I, we did. Yeah. We lived in a 25-foot trailer Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> at we've... one time. And wasn't the bathroom not in the trailer? You had a... Right. And then uh, a friend of Adrian's, Joe Boatwright, he moved into the trailer park and helped Adrian put a bathroom in our back closet. (laughs) (laughs) That was convenient. Yeah. But Philip's passing, what do you remember about that, that day? Well, it was a hard day. It was Mother's Day. And I remember checking on the, the baby. He looked so odd, so strange. And I remember asking Adrian to come look, you know, that he that he looked so odd. And so he went over and he grabbed the baby up in his arms and tucked him in his coat and drove as fast as he could to the hospital. And I was left there with Steve and Gail. They were asleep at the time, so I didn't wake them up. It was a, it was a hard time. Oh. But the people at the church were so gracious. I remember as he came home empty-handed, I knew that Philip was gone yes. when he came home without him. I guess that was something in our lives that really drew us closer to the Lord than anything else ever did. Yes. Do you remember how you got through that initial shock? You mentioned friends and church family to comfort you. Was there scripture that you leaned on during that time? Yes, it was. My mind blanks out right now. It'll come to me. No, it's okay. (laughs) I know, Mrs. Rogers, that God has used that tragic event in yours in Adrian's life. You know, the scripture teaches us, God comforts us in our trials and tribulations. We're able to comfort others when we've gone through those times. And I know over the years, you've been there for a lot of grieving moms and dads who have lost children. What's that been like for you? Right. Well, God just really compels me sometimes to to reach out to other people who have lost lost children, babies. Do you recall a time when any of your children might have embarrassed you with something either at school or at church. You know how kids get into mischief sometimes. Were there any times that you can remember that they just downright embarrassed you in front of either somebody at school or the church? Seems like there was something one time with Janice. So Janice was the troublemaker. (laughs) (laughs) I can't think exactly. Okay. Well, we'll just go ahead and say Janice was the culprit on that one, something that she did. I know it's all past now, and everything's good between you and Janice. (laughs) Well, somehow uh, she was holding on to the arm at the church. I can't remember the exact details about it now. That's okay. What's been most important to you as being a wife and a mom? Well, I guess to me, it's God's highest calling for my life anyway. And I love being a a mother and a wife. It's just a high calling. I love that role. It is a very high calling. One that God gives you, right? Right. Now, growing up in Florida, starting your marriage living in Florida, and starting the first years of your ministry in Florida, did you ever think you would leave Florida and come to a town in Tennessee? No, never thought we would. When you first got the call, the pastor search committee came to Merritt Island, heard your husband preach, and 
started making connections. There's a story I heard. You were traveling with a camper trailer. Y'all were on family vacation. Right. And I think you were on your way back to Florida, if I'm not mistaken, and you got a call, would you stop in Memphis? Right. And Steve had been overseas at a Bible college, and he had just come home. So he didn't come with us on our little vacation we were taking. He was in love with Cindy, whom he married. (laughs) Did you have any reservations about coming here at first? No, and I think it was Gail that— Gail told the story. You know, I interviewed Gail recently. She wanted to come to a big city. Right. She said Merritt Island was a small town and had good friends there, but she was ready to live the big life, and Memphis was bigger, <laughs> so she wanted to come here. I remember her telling me that on the recent yeah, interview. yeah. What was it like coming to Bellevue Baptist Church where men like R.G. Lee and Ramsey Pollard had pastored? Well, they were both living when we moved here. Yes, any time with Mrs. Lee or Mrs. Pollard, things that they might have injected or encouraged you when you first came? Let me see. Now, Mrs. Lee wasn't alive, then Dr. Lee was, but she was not. But Mrs. Pollard was alive, and Brother Pollard. And they were very kind to us, very kind to me. I still have a teapot that belonged to Mrs. Pollard. What have been some of the greatest joys, Mrs. Rogers, serving along your husband for so many years in the ministry? I love being a pastor's wife, and what are some of the joys? Yes. Some of the joys. It was all a joy. (laughs) (laughs) It was all a joy. (laughs) I know there were times that you traveled to various places around the world with your husband. Where were some of the most interesting places, and are there special memories of some of those experiences that you had? Well, we went to the Holy Land probably 25 times. He never thought about leading a trip there, but... uh, After he was doing that, he led trips to the Holy Land. I loved going with him there. And then the first time we went, we went with somebody else. And they had tagged their trip to the Holy Land with Switzerland. I love Switzerland. So we got to where we would tag our trips to the Holy Land to go to Switzerland. Now, there was another story, if you remember, Mrs. Rogers, when you were on Red Square, glass coffin of, was it linen that's on display there? And there was some Russian guards. Do you remember what you said to one of the guards? I think I did say, Jesus Christ is Lord. I think, yeah. Other people that you got to meet. You got to meet Billy and Ruth Graham, Charles Stanley, presidents like Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, George Bush. What were those times like? Well, those were exciting times. Some very um, wonderful people. Your personal prayer time, do you have a certain method or way that you order your prayers? Really, first thing in the morning, I I have my devotion time, prayer time. I pray for my children, my grandchildren, that they might really know the Lord and, and love Him and put Him first in their lives. I know you study the Bible a lot and have for many years studied the Bible. How do you consistently study the Bible? What method do you use? Well, my favorite book in the Bible is the book of Psalms. When I'm reading other things, I, I always read from the book of Psalms, and then I, so I would read other, other books also. Right. What is it specifically about the book of Psalms that you like to read? The book of Psalms is such an encouraging book. Yes. And it encourages my heart and life. Are there particular That's, Psalms that you have memorized or stand out to you? Yeah. Let me see. 103rd Psalm. That's a long psalm. Yes. Love that that psalm. Of course, the 23rd psalm is always a favorite. I've got others I can't think right now. Yes. And I know (laughs) Scripture has been always an important part of your family. One of the things I know at the times I've come into 
the Rogers home. I would see scripture around the house. So scripture has always been an emphasis. I know you've taught your children about loving the Bible, memorizing scripture, applying the scripture to your life. That's something that's always been an important part of your family. Right. Mrs. Rogers, I know that you love music. That's always been a a special place in your heart. I always enjoyed, oftentimes before your husband would come up to the pulpit to preach, you were the featured soloist right before his message. And I think he said that you were his favorite singer. (laughs) (laughs) He may have been compelled to say that. Well, I love the fact that you always sing from your heart. You've even written some songs too, haven't you? Have you written some little choruses? When we were moving into what we lovingly called our Canaan, Which was the new property of Bellevue Baptist Church in Cordova. And I uh, made up this little song about it's a brand new day claiming our Canaan. It's a brand new day trusting our Lord. Onward to victory. Possessing the land. Proving his word. While holding holding his hand. hand. (laughs) I haven't forgotten that song. That was a big move, wasn't it, from the historic site of Bellevue Church in Midtown Memphis, Mm. moving out to this property in Cordova, which at Cordova at the time was still farmland. Right now, (laughs) you've got malls and shopping centers in that area. And it all took place after Bellevue moved. And I remember the day when the Rogers family was holding hands and walking through those gates and, again, singing that song. The trumpets were, fanfare was happening. We walked on that property. It was a big day. You right. know, for Bellevue to move to that new campus in Cordova. It was exciting. It was, wasn't exciting it? Exciting days. It was. I remember we went out there pre-building with the camera team. It was nothing but trees and woods and just little narrow roads, you know, to get in there. <laughs> Your husband came out and walked there, and we were part of the, you know, like I say, the crew that was trying to create a little documentation so that it could be taken back to the church to let them see the vision for what was to be, because mm. that property was a skeet club. And I remember <laughs> when we first went out on a cleanup days on Saturdays to remove brush, we would often find clay pigeons laying on the ground there. I heard a story that years ago, a farmer owned that property, and he used to walk there and pray that God would use that land someday. Do you recall that story? That's about all I remember about it. That's all I remember too, but (laughs) that's all we need to remember, right? Because God has used that. Yeah. As we uh, start to wrap up our program, a couple more things I want to talk to you about. What are some of your favorite hymns to sing? There's something about that name. It's probably my, was my favorite song. Is that a Gaither song? Yeah. I, I think that is a Gaither song. Yeah. Now, that's interesting you mentioned that because you and Bill and Gloria and Adrian had become friends. I remember a song or two that your husband, Adrian, collaborated on with Bill Gaither, an invitation song, and I can't remember it, but it was a song that Bill put music to. Bill's been on this program about four different times, mm-hmm. and I've interviewed him. You know, I interviewed your husband one time. And I was ready to do the interview. He said, what are you going to ask me? (laughs) And I typically don't tell anybody what I'm going to ask him before the interview. But he got his way. I gave him a list of questions. He wanted to be prepared. You've written a couple of books. I've got a couple of books here in my hand. Therefore, I Hope in Him by Joyce Rogers. And this book's extra special to me because you and I had a connection here with this book. You called me and said, Byron, I've written this book. And the publisher has some ideas for a book cover But I've got some other ideas of my own, and could you help me? And I remember going by your house and picking up a Bible, nails, and a thorn, and I believe that stone, too. You remember that? I I think you—in fact, I was looking at this just—I've got down here. I would like to thank Byron Tyler, a lifetime friend of my family, for his excellent photography 
and the gracious gift of his time. And I appreciate. You know that was I a- just found that out recently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's an honor to have that. Do you remember about writing this book and what this book meant to you? Yes. Every chapter had therefore in it. And it starts out with a scripture from Joshua 14, 14. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And then I said, Adrian, I stood in the valley of Eshcol in Hebron, Israel, surrounded by acres of beautiful vineyards. That's beautiful. I love that. Speaking of Israel, I believe there was a olive grove named in honor of Adrian Rogers, and it's in Israel. I can't remember right now. I think there was somebody that decided to dedicate and honor your husband with an olive grove there. And I've had two experiences traveling to Israel back in 2018. I know what you mean now when you travel to Israel. What a beautiful experience to do that. Of course, another book you've written, Mrs. Rogers, is chosen to be a minister's wife. That's been the greatest calling of your life. And right. Have any comments about this book that you wrote? Well... I love being a minister's wife, but it was a special minister. Yes. <laughs> I wouldn't have loved being anybody's wife. What's exciting is how God is still using the ministry of love we're finding all over the world. Amen. Uh, I'm through amazed. radio, TV, mm-hmm. internet, people's lives are still being changed because of the ministry of love we're finding. And you're on the board of love we're finding. Right. Yeah, it's an exciting, exciting time. Looking back, Mrs. Rogers, over your life, do you have any regrets? No. No? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. No regrets. I love being a minister's wife. Yes. But particularly Adrian's wife. As we start to finalize the show today, Mrs. Rogers, what does Jesus Christ mean most to you? Well, he's just my all in all. And since I was a little girl... I say I accepted him when I was just nine. I've loved him all my life, it seems like. Something else I've always respected and appreciated about your family is the deep love that each of your family members have for Jesus. I think that was largely probably spearheaded from the leadership of Adrian in the home because I knew he had a passion and love for Christ. It was so real. One of the things, too, was always spoken about him. What you saw in the pulpit was the same man you saw at home. And I testify to that. I've been to your home, and I've seen him, and we've laughed and joked together, gone out to eat together. Speaking of food, one of the first meals I remember at your house, and you might not remember this, but I remember David and I had been out doing something, came in for lunch, and you prepared a a lunch for us, and you made fried peanut butter and honey sandwiches. (laughs) Do you remember making those sandwiches? <laughs> I had never had a fried peanut butter and honey sandwich. It's made on this delicious whole wheat grain bread, healthy bread. <laughs> yeah. We had the honor of having you at our recent Pastor's Wives Appreciation Luncheon, where we honored you with an award called the Legacy Award. What did right. that mean for you? Well, that meant a whole lot. That was a surprise. Yeah. That meant a whole lot. And, and I loved the major speaker that day, my daughter, Gail. She did a fabulous job that she day. She did. You have had a a long friendship, too, with Mr. Dick Bott and his wife, Shirley. The Botts have been dear friends over the years, and they love you dearly and loved your husband and your family. Well, he's just a wonderful guy, he and his wife, and they've been so gracious in entertaining us. Mrs. Rogers, thank you again. I love you, and I thank God for you, and I thank God that he put us as friends in the same church together and ministry. The first time... Somebody told me about coming to Bellevue Baptist Church. I was a new Christian, 16 years old. And honestly, I said, there's no way I'm going to join 
that big Baptist church. <laughs> that was my words. And even when I walked up the parking lot into that church, I'm saying, I am not going to join or be part of this Baptist church. I had come from a single parent home. I was kind of rough around the edges. I was a new Christian. I didn't know how you act in church. I didn't know. I just, I knew Jesus had saved me, but I didn't know any more than that. Somebody said, we need to grow. And there's a teacher, Adrian Rogers, at this church who's good. He can help us grow in our faith. I remember walking into the door. And from that point, when I heard your husband preach, I knew that's where I needed to be. For the next probably close to 30 years, I was there under his teaching. Mm. Grew and I grew my family in that church, and God blessed me, you know, through the ministry under your husband, Mrs. Rogers. And I'm very, very grateful. Well, it's been a it's been a joy to know you mm. through the years. When you think, Mrs. Rogers, about the world we live in today, the future of your grandchildren and great-grandchildren. What are your concerns, and, and how do you pray, and what do you hope for them in the future going forth? What legacy would you like to see them carry on? Well, I would like for them to love the Lord, of course, with all of their heart, and they do. All my grandkids love the Lord. That concern of wanting your grandkids to love the Lord, there's nothing more important than that, right? That's right. <laughs> nothing more important than that. It's all categorizes under that heading there. Well, friends, as we wrap up today, let me encourage you, if you would like to connect with Mrs. Rogers, send her a note. Let me encourage you to do that through the ministry of Love We're Finding Ministries. You can go to the website, lwf.org, find the address, drop her a note. If you've got something you would like to say to encourage her, I know they would be glad to pass that letter on to her. But I would encourage you to contact her through Love We're Finding Ministries at lwf.org. That's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint here on Bot Radio Network, coming to you from Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall separate me from the to Mid-South Viewpoint. The show is archived for on-demand listening on our website at bodradionetwork.com or via your favorite podcast platform like Spotify and iTunes. Some of our shows have videos as well and can be viewed on YouTube at Byron Tyler Radio. Stay tuned to Bot Radio Network to fill your day with God's Word.